Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers, American meat delivered right to your front door. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie, goodranchers.com slash Allie. Okay, guys, do we have an episode for you today? So you have probably been following, especially if you listen to this podcast consistently, what's going on with Canada, the peaceful protest that is being led by Canadian truckers against vaccine mandates and all kinds of restrictions that have been in place for about two years in Canada that have really made it difficult for everyday Canadians to live without kowtowing to the government or even being confined in their homes in some cases. We talked about this yesterday. If you haven't listened to that episode with Samuel Say and his fiance Annie, their long-distance relationship that had to overcome all kinds of obstacles, not least of which was imposed by the Canadian government and even in some cases the American government. So definitely go listen to that if you haven't already. Samuel also gives his take since he is from Canada on the truckers' protest. Well, Justin Trudeau, who is the dictator, oh, I'm so sorry, I meant Prime Minister of Canada, has now imposed these uh, this uh, wartime restriction on the protesters in order to crack down on dissent. So today we are talking to a conservative journalist, really just a truth-telling journalist from Rebel News, Ezra Levant, and he is in Canada. He is part of just a handful of dissenting media there. He's going to tell us what's really going on. What does this mean by Justin Trudeau? These powers have never been invoked in Canada's history. This is a really scary time for democracy, for people who actually care about liberty, not just people who say that they do and then support pseudo-fascism, which is what we are seeing in Canada and in other countries around the world. This is really significant, not just for Canadians, whom, of course, we love on the show. We've got a lot of Canadian listeners, but also just for Americans in general. This is a a great ally of the United States. This has also been a defender, maybe not as passionately, but in many ways, uh, a defender of Western civilization and liberal democracy. I don't mean that in the left-wing sense, but the true sense of liberal democracy for its history. And um, now, unfortunately, it looks like Canada is falling. So we're going to talk about the implications of that, what the conclusion of this will be. It's really important that we pay attention to what's going on. And just to kind of buck up against the media narrative that you've seen in Canada, that you are seeing in the United States, that this is a deadly insurrection that this is a bunch of violent actors that are committing these egregious crimes. We played a montage on yesterday's episode of the talking points that are just repeated ad nauseum by the media. I mean, really, it just seems like everyone in leftist media gets the same mass email every morning signed by George Soros himself and Klaus Schwab that says, okay, these are the points that you have to bring up. You have to call this a deadly insurrection. You have to say that it's racist. You have to say that it's a bunch of white supremacists. You have to say that it's violent. I mean, it's all just propaganda. They just say the same things over and over again. It is so exhausting. And really the most exhausting part is that there are still people who don't see it who don't see it, who think that the left globally is really on the side of freedom and democracy and human rights when really it's the opposite. And I'm just doing 
We're just doing our small part on Relatable to try to break through that ridiculous narrative. So we showed that montage yesterday. And now in contrast to what you were seeing the left-wing media say in in even some quote, unbiased sources on social media here in the States about what's going on with this protest in Canada. I want to I want to play you some footage of what is actually going on there. So does that does that look scary to you? I mean, you're looking, if you're listening to this and you weren't able to see, you're looking at women, children, families, singing, dancing. As Samuel Say said yesterday, there are people praying together, singing hymns together. The gospel is being shared. Now, I'm not saying that there are no violent actors whatsoever. I'm not saying that there aren't bad people. There aren't people that are exploiting this. Of course, whenever you have any mass movement or mass demonstration, you're going to have rogue actors. Contrary or in contrast to what we have seen with left-wing demonstrations, not all, many left-wing demonstrations in the United States and Canada, where it's not just a few rogue actors, but you are actually seeing um, complete demonstrations that are all violent, that are all about destruction and desecration and arson and assault. I mean, we're still seeing that, by the way, by so-called anti-fascists here in the United States. In Minneapolis, they are still inflicting violence and chaos upon that city right now. You should follow Andy No on Twitter. You will see the footage of what's happening. Uh, in cities still across the country. And that is endorsed at worst and at best ignored by the left and leftist media here in the United States. But God forbid a peaceful protest happen against actual tyranny in the United States or Canada. No, then that's that's so scary. That's something that really needs to be crushed by the power of the state. It's insane, guys. It's insane. So we're going to break this all down with Ezra, hopefully give you a really good understanding of what's actually going on. Please pray. Pray for um, the peaceful demonstrators. Pray for wisdom and discernment. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. That includes the enemies of liberty. And so I pray for Justin Trudeau to have a change of heart, for him to wake up from his totalitarian stupor. And we should just be praying for um, the goodness and the power of God to protect those who are pushing back against tyranny. Um, And that's not to conflate the demonstrations with Christianity. A lot of the people that are demonstrating that are pushing back against these restrictions are not Christian. So I'm not trying to conflate politics with Christianity. I'm just praying for those who uh, are on the right side of human rights to be protected against the violence of the state and for freedom to prevail for all people, for all kinds of people. Um, that's what, And for peace to prevail too. I don't want violence. I don't want chaos. I don't want anarchy. That's not good for anyone, no matter what your political f- affiliation or, or background is. 
And so that's one of my prayers. But most of all, of course, I pray above all uh, for the gospel to go out, for God to be glorified in the midst of this, for us to move our trust and our faith from the state and from the government onto God and his kingdom to realize that our victory and success um, and our hope doesn't primarily lie here uh, on earth, but is actually in heaven and in eternity. And that's where we look to for our joy and for our trust. So yes, we care about the political scene here because we care about people and politics affects people. But ultimately, our hope and our joy is not derived uh, from what happens here, but actually what we know is to come in Christ's victory. And so that's just a little bit of perspective as we're setting this up and to give you a little bit of peace as we go into this conversation, which might make your heart beat a little bit faster because truly what's happening in Canada is kind of scary. And yet we have a God that is bigger than everything that goes on here on earth. So before we get into that conversation, let me tell you guys about our sponsors for the day. First, that is Martha Stewart and Marley Spoon. So Martha Stewart and Marley Spoon is the meal kit that tastes truly like no other. It delivers fresh and premium pre-portioned ingredients for Martha, from Martha Stewart's favorite recipes directly to your door. Ordering is super easy. It's a fully flexible subscription, so you don't have to worry about being locked into some kind of plan that doesn't work for you or your schedule. You can really design the subscription option that works best for you. It lets you skip, pause, or cancel anytime. These are delicious meals. They're also super convenient. Uh, convenient. I'm a big fan of convenience things that make your life easier. And Martha Stewart Marley Spoon does just that. The meals are designed to be ready in about 30 minutes with minimal cleanup. I mean, talk about a win-win. So if you want to know how to make a good dinner, an easy dinner, a quick dinner, an affordable dinner, you need to try out Martha Stewart and Marley and Marley Spoon. It tastes like no other. It's packed with 40 plus offerings each week, more than any other meal kit. You can go to MarleySpoon.com, use code Allie for $120 off over your first five boxes. That's MarleySpoon.com using code Allie, A-L-L. IE for $120 off your first five boxes. MarleySpoon.com, promo code Allie. Ezra, thank you so much for joining us. So obviously, I want to talk to you about what's going on in Canada. I've seen your recent interviews about this, have really appreciated your up-and-close perspective. So the big news, according to the Wall Street Journal, is that Canada's Trudeau invokes emergency powers to address trucker protests. Can you tell us just what this means? Sure. As you know, for the last two and a half weeks, there's been a trucker's rebellion, about 100,000 truckers across the whole country and probably a million people cheering them on along the side of the roads and overpasses, completely peaceful. Um, these truckers, a lot of them ended up in the capital city of Ottawa and some other places. And um, they were really the first people to resist the permanent lockdown that Canada has been in. We're one of the most locked down countries in the free world. And um, there was a total failure by other political checks and balances. No opposition party was against the lockdowns. No court rulings slowed down the lockdowns. The media was in support of the lockdown. So these truckers, I guess it was like sort of a general strike. And it really struck a chord with ordinary Canadians. Um, but I want to emphasize that they were completely peaceful. Yeah. Some of them engaged in peaceful civil disobedience. So they were honking their horns, 
Um, some of them blocked the bridge between Detroit and Windsor for a while, but all of that was resolved peacefully. For example, the, hon the horn honkers, a judge said, stop using your air horns in the city. That's, a, that's disturbing residents, so they stopped. And those blocking the bridge, police cleared them. So like I say, completely nonviolent, and whatever issues there were, they were resolved by local police pretty calmly. Frankly, I've never heard of such a massive protest with literally no violence. But Trudeau has demonized the truckers. He called them racist and sexist, which is laughable since so many of them are, are minorities, by the way. Um, he called them Nazis even, which yeah. is crazy. Trudeau has fallen to 16% in the polls. Wow. So he, I don't know if panicked is the right word, but, oh, by the way, and three of his own members of parliament came out to reject his approach. So yesterday, Trudeau did something deeply troubling, very shocking. He invoked the wartime powers of the Emergencies Act. That is a law that has never been used before. After 9-11, the law was not used. Wow. There was a terrorist attack on our parliament in 2014. The Emergencies Act was not used. Yesterday, Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act, suspending civil liberties. For what? Because there's some truckers parked on the side of the road? There's no national emergency. Trudeau effectively staged a kind of coup. Even though he's in office, he staged the coup against Canadians, seizing powers, including the power to seize the bank accounts of his political opponents without any legal process. I'm terrified by what he plans to do with that. Yeah, and that's my question. So as you said, he plans to seize the bank accounts of his opposition. I saw that the um, like give, send, go in these kind of uh, crowdfunding organizations, corporations are apparently up for review. There's a whole other host of things in this particular law that he is now allowed to do because he has invoked it. Can you tell us if you know a little bit um, more uh, of those steps that he says that he's planning to take? Or is he just being kind of purposely vague and saying, OK, we're going to get this under control using this law and we don't really know what that looks like? Well, he's given out some specifics. For example, uh, very few tow truck companies are willing to tow the, the truckers away. Mm. Um, they just, like I say, it's like a general strike. And thankfully, the working class is leading it. I mean, some ideas are so dumb, you need a PhD to believe them. The mm -hmm. idea that this permanent lockdown is good for public health or good for anything that, you know, no normal person believes that. And these truckers have more common sense than half the PhDs out there. So these tow truck drivers have a kind of solidarity with the truckers. So one of the specific things that the uh, Trudeau government announced yesterday, and Trudeau used the word compel, and his justice minister used the word direct, they are going to commandeer tow trucks, like seize the tow trucks. Wow. All right, I think that's outrageous, but at least I understand it's a piece of metal, right? But then they're going to compel the tow truck drivers to tow the truck. So I understand how you can seize someone's vehicle. That's gross. That's, that's um, you know, violation of, of their property rights. But how do you compel a tow truck driver to do something he doesn't want to do? Are you going to throw him in jail if he doesn't right. tow the truck of your political opponent? I mean, Trudeau used the word compel. How do you compel someone to 
to tow someone they don't want. Like, literally, are you going to do it at gunpoint? I know that right. sounds insane, but this whole thing is crazy. The the deputy prime minister and finance minister, her name is Christia Freeland. Very strange thing about her. She, she's been George Soros's biographer for years. Wow. She currently sits on the board of governors of the World Economic Forum in Davos. I don't know how you can sit on the board of Davos and also be a cabinet minister for a country. Like, right. how is that even lawful? Right. Her name is Christia Freeland. She's the deputy prime minister and finance minister. She said that banks will now be authorized and directed to seize the bank accounts of anyone who has financed the truckers. So you mentioned Give, Send, Go and GoFundMe. Those are two companies. But there were probably 150,000 people who chipped in five bucks, 10 bucks, a thousand bucks through those crowdfunding engines. So Christia Freeland has said, we are authorizing and directing the banks to seize those funds without a court process. You cannot sue the bank. They're, they're indemnifying the banks. And the government says they will provide their enemies list to the banks. They didn't use the word enemies list, of course. They just said, we will share our information. So Christia Freeland, um, Trudeau's right-hand woman, Soros is, I mean, I, I, you know, people talk about conspiracy theories about George Soros. There's no conspiracy theory. Right. Oh, she yeah. was his biographer. She is a governor of the World Economic Forum. She is going to provide an enemies list to the banks, and she's going to authorize. And so even if the banks say, no, 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 we're not going to seize those bank accounts. No, you must. Now, um, it's been less than one day since this uh, form of martial law was imposed. I am unaware if they've actually done this yet, hmm. but they said they're going to do it. And, you know, with Trudeau, when he says he's going to do something authoritarian, it's best to believe him. I don't know if you remember this, but when Trudeau first ran for, for public office, he was asked, what country of the world do you most admire? And he said, China. Now, there's a lot to admire about China, their history, their culture, their, their language, their, their art, their food. There's a lot of things to love about China, but he didn't say any of those things. He said he most admires China, quote, for its basic dictatorship, unquote. He said really? that. And wow. he meant it just like he meant his love for Fidel Castro, just like he has praised communist China, just like his father, Pierre Trudeau, went to, took his kids to the Soviet Union took him to Siberia and said to his kids, this is the land of the future. So Justin Trudeau comes by his authoritarianism honestly. Wow. His father, Pierre Trudeau, was a, was a communist admirer as well. A lot of people think that Justin Trudeau is actually Fidel Castro's son. I'm not sure if I believe <laughs> I've that seen, theory. I've seen some things about that. And hey, they do kind of look alike. I mean, they even do. if it's I, not biological son, he is um, certainly Trudeau is a son of communism. That's that's right. And and I think that father figure is probably more accurately mm. more accurate than father. Justin Trudeau admires strong men, banana republic style authoritarian police state rulers. And yesterday, Justin Trudeau did that to Canada. I say again, the Emergencies Act is for true emergencies. In fact, there's four 
four definitions of a threat to Canada that are that you can choose from to invoke the Emergencies Act. One is a, a devastating act of foreign espionage. That's obviously not a, a, applicable. Uh, violent revolution seeking to overthrow the democracy obviously doesn't apply. But that's what they um, say it is, right? That's I mean, that's what Trudeau has been trying to say that it is, that this is a violent insurrection. And that's what the American media uh, media has been saying as well. Yeah. I, the, and that's a very powerful narrative. And they're trying to copycat the January 6th right. U.S. narrative, except for there's one problem with that. Like I say, 100,000 truckers, a million people cheering them on the lo- along the side of the highway. So we all saw with our own eyes, or we all saw someone we know take a cell phone video of how peaceful and fun-loving and festival-like and family-friendly. these truckers are. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously, they got hockey games. They got dance parties. I've never seen so many Canadian flags in my life. Um, the Ottawa police have not made a single arrest or charge for any violence whatsoever. In fact, they say that crime in downtown Ottawa has fallen. So there hasn't been a single act of violence. In, I don't even know how you can go two weeks with 100,000 people across the country yeah. and not have a single act of violence. That's, I've never heard of that before. They have made arrests. I think the last I read... On Friday, it was like 23 arrests. And of course, the Ottawa police are doing all kinds of things. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What are they arresting people for? How is the Ottawa police trying to crack down on these peaceful protests? Well, I mean, let me give you an example of an arrest. When I say, uh, so there's been no acts of violence. There have been some arrests. Some of them are, are, are minor. And some of them, I would, I would say, are tantamount to police brutality. Let me give you an example. There was a 78-year-old man great-grandfather in Ottawa, driving his private vehicle, and he honked his horn in support of the truckers. Honk, honk. The police pulled him over. I, you, I don't know if you saw the viral video. It was shocking. And they roughed up this 78-year-old man, and they charged him. So I'm not saying there haven't been any arrests. I'm sorry. If I did use that language, no, you, you I, I'm didn't. I just myself. wanted to clarify for everyone. You said there's yeah. been no arrest for violence. So that's correct. That's right. Yeah. There's been no violence. Um, there's been some there's been some police misconduct, and there have been some non-criminal charges. So, for example, it is a fact that um, that these truckers are breaking some parking rules, but those are not crimes, like a, like a parking ticket. Um, there there was someone on the Ambassador Bridge. That's the bridge between Windsor and Detroit. There, I think there was someone who was arrested there, and I, I and I'm not sure exactly what the charges, but it was non-violent. So what we're what we're talking about here is not a violent revolution, not an insurrection, not 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 anything that is a clear and present danger. What we're talking about here is civil disobedience. Yeah. And civil disobedience, um, I mean, Mahatma Gandhi sort of taught us how that works. You you peacefully break the law and you accept the legal consequences for that because you're hoping to prove the immorality of the law. And you're actually sacrificing yourself to to demonstrate that the system is flawed. That only works in liberal democracy. Gandhi would have been killed in a second by Hitler or Mao or Stalin. Gandhi only worked because it was the British Empire and they had a liberal conscience. I mean, Gandhi would have been killed in a second by Pol Pot or most dictators. These truckers are engaged. 99% of them are just 
doing nothing wrong at all. 1% of them are engaged in civil disobedience. But if a court order comes, for example, the court order to stop the horn honking in Ottawa, they're obeying the court order. The police came to clear that Ambassador Bridge. They cleared the bridge with no violence. So we're talking about civil disobedience in the best liberal tradition, no violence by the truckers, nowhere near an emergency required for the Emergencies Act. But Trudeau did it to seize power. To to like the idea that he can direct banks to seize the assets of his political enemies, that is exactly what they do in Cuba, yeah. Venezuela, Iran, and it's happening just north of your border. And they cleared the bridge that was purposely congested in an act of civil disobedience between Michigan and Canada. How how did that happen? How did they finally accomplish the clearing of that bridge? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, we had, you know, I'm one of the great things about our little companies, we've got all these citizen journalists who yes. go out there with their cell phones. And, you know, I'm I'm really glad about it because there's such a dominant media narrative that these are terrorist insurrectionists, January 6th, Trump. And it's just crazy talk. So we just send severely normal people out there with a cell phone and say, just live stream, just film what you see, follow the facts wherever they lead. And uh, in the end, the police just came and said, look, you, you got to go and um, or you or you will be arrested. And they literally all left like they, you know, they, they dallied, they dilly dallied. They took their time. They made their point. But it was a completely non-violent disengagement from the bridge. It's like a wildcat strike. It's like a general strike. And that causes some annoyance and some inconvenience. But you know what? For two years, our country's been locked down. Yeah. And, you know, I, like, let me tell you how bad it was. You might be shocked to hear this. The province of Quebec, eight and a half million people. So it's a fairly big place. They had a curfew from 10 p.m. till 5 a.m., mm. whether you were vaccinated or not, whether you were sick or not, you could not leave your home. Like a curfew, that's what parents give to children. Right. Be home by 10. Right. I mean, they were treating healthy people like they were sick. They were treating innocent people like they were guilty. They were treating adults like they were kids. What kind of a place? puts a curtain like, there's no science behind it right. i'm not even pretending there was science so you've got this for two years and finally the only people with courage are as george orwell said in 1984 if there's any hope it's with the trolls the working class and yeah. and all the fancy people all the establishment all the official people were completely they were loving the lockdowns because they were making money off it they didn't lose a day's pay they they were enjoying the celebrity of it. All the journalists were enjoying the crisis of the lockdown. The politicians were enjoying their power. The chambers of commerce were fine to enrich Amazon and Walmart and Costco. They didn't care about the mom and pop shops shut down. Churches were closed. Yeah. Literally right now in my home province of Alberta, there's a Christian pastor named Arthur Pavlovsky yeah. who is languishing in solitary confinement yeah. today. Because he opened his church for an hour and 10 minutes during a lockdown. He is in solitary confinement today. And no one did anything about this. Yeah. Not the courts, not the media, not the opposition, no government. The truckers did. We're, I'm grateful to the truckers for having the common sense and the courage that no other part of Canadian society has. 
Okay, quick pause to tell you about our second sponsor for the day, and that is Annie's Kit Clubs. You know them, you love them. If you've been thinking about getting a box for your child or children from Annie's Kit Clubs, now is the time because we've got a great deal for you. For those of you who don't know, Annie's Genius Box is an excellent way to encourage your kids' curiosity while providing fun activities that are as entertaining as they are educational. Each month, your young scientist will get a new box bursting with three hands-on activities to explore an exciting STEM theme like geology, chemistry, aerodynamics, and more. I wish I would have had this growing up. Maybe I would have liked science class a little bit more because this makes it really fun. It can empower your kid's imagination and critical thinking skills. What an amazing alternative to your kid just, you know, watching TV or scrolling on the iPad. No judgment here. I'm just saying I think as moms, we're all looking for an alternative to that. We want them to exercise their mind in a way that really helps them, but there are also some times during the day where we really just need them to be entertained and occupied so we can get dinner ready or whatever. This is a great option for that. Your kids can design a hovercraft, examine fossils, build robots, and so much more. Introduce your kids to real science research and the incredible value of asking good questions. Go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Save 50% on your first box. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. My question for you, and I don't know if anyone really knows the answer to this, but if you could speculate, if you want to, when Justin Trudeau, when he said, oh, there's kind of there's there's a threat here. I have to be sequestered in the United States. I'm scared of these nonviolent protesters that have come to the Capitol. And then he has now come back out and he invoked these in an unprecedented way, these emergency powers. My question is, what do you think happened behind closed doors to where he's obviously not scared of the backlash when it comes to this? He doesn't feel like he is beholden to the voices of the people that are pushing back against these mandates and lockdowns. Um how do you think that he reached his decision? Do you think it has something to do with the connections to the World Economic Forum? Like, I'm picturing some of these world leaders who really, I know it sounds conspiratorial, but my audience knows a lot about the Great Reset. I mean, if if the truckers were successful, then that would have been a huge upset for the plans of the World Economic Forum. And I'm just wondering if Justin Trudeau was influenced by those people in power to do what he is doing now. Or do you think that's totally off base? Do you think he came to his decision another way? Well, let's not engage in speculation. Let's just look at what we can see with our eyes and hear with our ears. We know that Justin Trudeau goes to the World Economic Forum. He loves it. Uh, he he meets George Soros when he goes there. This is not a theory. He he tweets the photos of it. We know that his deputy prime minister is on the board of the World Economic Forum. We know that Klaus Schwab publicly boasts that Trudeau and, quote, half his cabinet are World Economic Forum acolytes. So these are all things that they say. Trudeau considers himself a globalist. He loves going down to the United Nations. He has boasted about being part of the Great Reset. He uses those exact words. He makes videos to that effect. He copycats other um, globalist leaders around the world with his build back better phraseology. He has, you know, completely signed on to every UN um, agenda. He's a, a, a radical on um, environmentalist issues as well. I really don't think there's any globalist scheme that Trudeau has not signed on to. And so that it's odd to call what he did a coup because he was already prime minister. So what does it even mean that he would have a coup? Well, by that, I mean he would seize more powers for himself under 
false pretenses and destroy his opposition. And I think that these truckers were such a spontaneous, powerful force that were pretty much leaderless, that it was so organic and, and so inspiring to the whole world that I think the World Economic Forum, globalist Soros set, said, we've got to stop this because it's spreading. Like I see that there's a convoy in Israel now. I see there was one in Netherlands, huge one in Australia. Right. So I think for sure, um, the bad guys said, we've got to nip this in the bud. A couple of years ago, there was a phenomenon coming out of France called the yellow vest, the gilet jaune. Those were people who were frustrated by, you know, high taxes, carbon taxes, interference in their lives. And again, that was a working class rebellion. The the yellow vests were a symbol that they were the working men. This is the Canadian uh, version of the the yellow vests. Everyone admires truckers because we know they're hardworking. We know they're honest. Um, They... We, we rely on them. They're, there's, there's something about their independent spirit. Um, I don't know. I, I think everyone has a certain affection for truckers, yeah. I think, yeah. um, or, or a respect for them. And yeah. so the, the fact that there was no fancy super PAC behind this, no slick ad campaigns, it was all real. That is terrifying to the globalists. And so they, so I think Justin Trudeau, um, he is, he, he's had a terrible month. He's at 16% in the latest polls. Three of his own MPs have, have turned on him. And, he, and so he decided to double down and basically declare martial law. That's what the Emergencies Act does. And to use it to crush his enemies. And I think given that there's no violence in the country, what does he need the Emergencies Act for? There literally has been no violence. Whatever problems there were, were solved peacefully. No, he wants it to get the 150,000 names of the people who supported the truckers and get and terrify them, make an enemies list. And he said he's going to seize bank accounts. Um, if he said he would do it, why wouldn't he do it? Yeah. He did say he admires China's basic dictatorship. And I think we're about to see that. Right. And now he says, oh, you know, I'm fine with peaceful protest. I'm fine with dissent. And then he cites Black Lives Matter. He met with Black Lives Matter. So doesn't that mean that he is such a reasonable guy who is willing to extend his hand to the other side? Of course, he is in lockstep with organizations like Black Lives Matter because they also espouse a form of Marxism that he agrees with. Um, My question for you, when um, there was a series of church burnings in Canada, talk about uncivil disobedience, Mm -hmm. based really kind of on a false narrative, right, about mass graves. And Trudeau said, you know, he he kind of softly condemned it. He said, you know, this is wrong. We shouldn't be burning churches. But it's really understandable Mm -hmm. that these people Mm -hmm are upset. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that, about the narrative that kind of inspired the church burnings and Trudeau's response to that in contrast to his response to the peaceful protest led by the truckers? That's a great point. I mean, more than 50 churches in Canada were torched or vandalized in some other way. Like it it was almost a daily event and um, like just atrocious. If it were 50 synagogues or 50 mosques that were torched or vandalized, it it would have been all the media party would have talked about. You would have had politicians 
uh, camping out and solidarity. And I mean, it, it would have been a human rights crisis, but they were Christian and Catholic churches in the main. And Trudeau hates hates the Catholic Church. He demonizes it all the time. He practically campaigns against it. And so when when these arsons and vandalisms happened, he didn't dispatch a hate crimes unit uh, of the police. Uh, he was silent about it and even said he understood it. I mean, he, he really is atrocious. Um, I think he's a kind of sociopath. Uh, he He's a master manipulator. Um, he projects his own sins on you. For example, um, he calls everyone he doesn't like a racist, mm -hmm. but he dressed up in blackface so many times he says he lost count. Right. He calls everyone a misogynist. He claims to be a male feminist, but he admitted that he sexually assaulted Rose Knight, a reporter in Creston, BC. When called on it, he said, well, she experienced it differently. Mm -hmm. um, he accuses these truckers of being Nazis, but he's the one who just suspended civil liberties. Right. He accuses other people of hatred, but he says the burning of churches is understandable. He really is a manipulator, and I think he's, uh, he's, he's dangerous. He, he's lost a lot of his powers because people see through him when he called these truckers Nazis. I think a lot of people said, oh, you, I didn't realize you were such a manipulator until now. I look at you in a completely different light. The mask slipped, and I know you're not Mr. Sunny Ways. He, in, in 2015, when he first ran for prime minister, his campaign, he called himself Sunny Ways. You know, have a cheerful heart. Come on, guys. We don't have to be sour and dour. We realized that that too was a fraud. So he's a master manipulator. He was in deep trouble. So he, um, you know, the people wanted a new government, but the government wants new people. And I'm worried he's going to get away with it because, again, so many institutions in Canada are corrupted, the, the worst of which is the media. Uh, Trudeau owns the largest media company in Canada. It's called the, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. It's, it has more news reporters than all other media combined. But that wasn't enough for him to own the state broadcaster. So he rents all the rest of the media. And by that, I mean, he has this huge media bailout program, hundreds of millions of dollars. And all you have to do is sign up. All you have to do is sign up and you'll get free money. And 99% of Canadian media has signed up for Trudeau's bailout. Wow. Well, if you're taking tens or hundreds of millions of dollars from Trudeau, you're not going to criticize Trudeau. And my little company, Rebel News, is one of maybe five Canadian media companies. Maybe there's 10. And we're, we're tiny. But every newspaper, every TV station has a regulatory um, gift from Trudeau. It literally 99% of the media in Canada are bought or rented by Trudeau, which is why we don't have a vigorous opposition. There is more scrutiny of Trudeau by foreign media than by Canadian media. I often have to, I often have to read the Daily Mail in London, UK, right. to get criticism of Justin Trudeau that I will not find in Canadian media. It's shocking. All right, last sponsor for the day, and that is 
Good Ranchers. If you've been putting off getting that box of Good Ranchers, what are you waiting for? Every time you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, what cut of steak should I get? I don't know. I don't want to ask the butcher because I don't want to be embarrassed because I don't know anything about steak. Okay, I've got that problem solved for you. All you have to do is go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. You pick out the cuts of meat that look good to you. They're all good. And then it's shipped in a box on dry ice to your front door. And you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about getting meat from the grocery store, chicken, beef, it is all right there for you on goodranchers.com slash Allie. It really makes your life so easy. I mean, this is better than organic chicken. This is craft beef. We're talking the highest quality stuff. And the best part, in my opinion, is that it all comes from American farms. 80% or more of the beef that you're getting from the grocery store is actually imported from overseas. So we're talking about making a choice that is actually affecting your fellow Americans, American farmers and ranchers, every time you buy meat. Uh, that is imported from abroad. So if you care about putting America first, if you care about this American industry, why not support Good Ranchers? They're run by salt of the earth, wonderful Christian people. There's really nothing to lose when it comes to getting your meat from Good Ranchers. Plus, if you use my link, goodranchers.com slash Allie or my promo code Allie, you get $25 off their already low prices. So go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for American meat delivered. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie, goodranchers.com slash Allie. The amazing thing, and this is what propagandists do and have always done, is that Justin Trudeau, just like the Democratic Party here in the United States, say that they're doing what they're doing for the sake of democracy. We have to trample upon your rights, your religious liberty, your free speech, your peaceful protest rights in order to preserve democracy. We have to look into your bank account to preserve democracy. We have to take away your guns to preserve democracy. We have to federalize here in the United States. We have to federalize uh, elections to preserve democracy. So we have to undermine democracy in order to preserve democracy. That's exactly what Trudeau is doing. And what's shocking to me is that even though, yes, so many people are against Trudeau and praise God for that. And of course, here in the United States, conservatives see things clearly in regards to that. But there are still so many people, people in the media who claim to be unbiased, who claim to be for freedom and democracy, who are in complete support of what Trudeau was doing and actually think that it's wonderful that they that he should be crushing dissent and that that is necessary to preserve democracy. I mean, talk about mass formation psychosis. The very people who say that they are anti-fascist against dictatorships and who think that January 6th was the biggest assault on democracy that exists. I mean, literally Joe Biden and Trudeau could come together and have tanks rolling down you know, suburban America and Canada. And David French would still be writing articles about how evangelicals are the biggest threat to democracy in the world. I don't understand how people can't see what a danger this is right now at this point in history that's coming from the left globally. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, this trucker's rebellion really is workers of the world unite. You have nothing to lose but your chains. Solidarity forever, you know, this really is the perfect moment for all those leftists. Wow, it's the workers who are taking back the country. But instead, the parties of the left, Trudeau needs the Emergencies Act goes to Parliament within seven days and it goes to a vote. And Trudeau has a minority government, but the the an opposition party called the NDP, that's a socialist party, 
the so-called Workers' Party, they've agreed to give Trudeau the votes. So Trudeau could not do this on his own. The Labour Party, Canada's Labour Party, it's called the NDP, said they're for it. So the, the party of the working man is going to crush the working man. Uh, it's so bizarre to me, the parties of the left who always claimed they were skeptical of big corporations, especially big pharma. The parties of the left who claimed they were for personal choice, my body, my choice. The parties of the left who claimed they were for privacy, especially about you know personal health matters. The parties of the left who said, oh, I don't believe in carding, no ID, I don't, you know, I'm undocumented. All of a sudden, those parties on the left are in favor of big pharma, big government, big tech censorship, um, ID to go into a restaurant. In Canada, you cannot get on an airplane domestically or foreign if you're not vaccinated. You, the second largest country in the world, you can't get on a plane or a train unless you're vaccinated. Yeah. And the parties on the left have been the great one of the great betrayals. And the unions, too, like foisting forced vaccinations into a collective agreement contrary to the wishes of the of the workers who's sat on yeah. it, it's it's so bizarre to me how the left has betrayed their own people the green party canada's green party which is sort of a lot of greens are sort of natural health and you know vitamins and i don't want an injection like they're very conscious of, like a lot of greens have sort of a healthy style of living and now they're the party of big pharma and take this untested injection. So a lot of people are politically homeless right now. I saw a poll that 57% of Canadian Greens support the truckers. That's incredible because the Green Party itself has been a pro-lockdown disaster. Yeah. Anyhow, we'll see what happens in Canada. But I'm, I'm very uh, worried. Trudeau has 30 days to do a Hugo Chavez. And... By the way, he can extend that as long as he wants. I, I think this is going to be like the two weeks to flatten the curve business. Wow. I, I think we're going to be in this for a lot longer than 30 days. Well, and that's my final question. How how does this end or how does this unfold, I should say, in the next few days? So the truckers and the protesters that are still in Ottawa right now, I mean, does it does it come to the police actually standing there putting these people at gunpoint and saying, get mm. out of here? I mean... What do you think this looks like? Well, like I say, there is no crime wave. There's no violence. Yeah, there's some traffic ticket type issues, but those aren't even crimes. It's a ticket. Um, so the police, and if there is an issue like a blocked bridge or really noisy horns, it's been solved. So I, I, the police um, are fine with things. Trudeau is using that as a pretext to seize the bank account. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of change on the streets of Ottawa where there's still uh, hundreds of truckers. I think the action isn't so much going to be on the streets. That's the pretext for what Trudeau wants, to make an enemies list and seize the bank accounts. I think, I mean, listen, we're in uncharted territory. Even after 9-11, we didn't have this emergency act invoked. So Trudeau is using wartime powers to, to settle his scores. And I don't know, I just hope that if Canada starts to fall, that that our American friends will speak up. I mean, if, if this were Vladimir Putin's Russia, or if this were Venezuela or Cuba or North Korea, what would Americans be saying? I hope you guys speak up for us yeah. if we start to really go down that path. 
Well, you know, it's kind of seemed like you guys have been for a while and certainly parts of the states as well. We had James Coates and his wife, Erin Coates, on. He was also a pastor that was jailed for, oh, yeah. opening, for opening up his church. We had a couple 35 on. days. Yes. 35 days in jail. Yes. And we had a, another pastor on from Canada a couple weeks ago to talk about Bill C-4, which is a total totalitarian crushing of free speech. We had a couple on yesterday. Uh, one of uh, the guys was is from Canada and while they were dating long distance she who was from Ohio she was talking about how when she visited him she had to even though she had a negative test when she came into Canada she still had to quarantine for 10 to 12 days wasn't necessary wasn't actually technically allowed to leave her home and so in order to just go outside and spend time with her fiance she had to leave her phone at home in order to not get the police to show up at her door. Again, that kind of thing is not supposed to happen in Western countries. That's not supposed to happen in countries that recognize human rights. That happens in a country that is led by someone who says that he admires China because of their basic dictatorship. So that's already happening in Canada. Absolutely, I think that Americans should speak up because our interests, I think, our freedom, uh, Canadians and Americans are really intertwined. Uh, They really are. And so... I appreciate you, uh, you being one of the lone voices in Canada, uh, in the media, at least, who is pushing back against the state-sponsored narratives. Um, So thank you so much. And thanks for taking the time to give us your perspective today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, guys, I know that you enjoyed that conversation. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Just remember that. Remember that when all of this craziness and chaos is waging around us. Christians are called to be agents of clarity in the midst of that confusion and chaos and agents of peace. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. So that is how I remain hopeful and at peace when it just seems like everything is crashing down. I have to believe that God is much bigger than Justin Trudeau and all of the other tyrants in the Western world. All right, you guys know Friday, 30th birthday. We're going to have a 30th birthday bonus episode, and we are taking some voicemails from you guys. You can either just give me a lesson that you learned in your 20s or a lesson that you learned in your 30s. And so this is for people like me who are entering my 30s, but it's also for people listening who are still in their 20s who would love some sage advice from either elder millennials or even... Gen X or baby boomers. And so call 682-503-1369. Give us your life advice. That would be so awesome. Can't play all the voicemails, obviously, on the show, but we'll play a uh, a few. And I appreciate everyone who does leave a voicemail, regardless of whether or not we play it. So that's 682-503-1369. I will see you guys back here tomorrow with another awesome jam-packed episode. I will see you guys then. 